Hey, this is Ken Miller, President and CEO at NASCO Healthcare. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world, and I want to welcome you to today's episode. I have a wonderful guest with me here today. His name is Ken Miller. He's an executive in the healthcare industry, focused on transforming companies into industry-leading organizations. And throughout his career, he has been successful at developing high-performance teams across global geographies to develop and deploy game-changing strategies in the pharmaceutical, biotechnology, and medical device markets. Ken is committed to making a difference in the world and decided to take his skills and experiences to the expansive diabetes market. In 2014, he was named the Worldwide President for Diabetes Care at Beckton Dickinson Company, and he oversaw a $1.3 billion business. Currently, he serves as the Chief Executive Officer at NASCO Healthcare, and Ken's received numerous corporate and industry awards for leadership and impact. Ken, a massive welcome to you. Oh, so nice to be here, Dennis. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to join the podcast. Yeah, it's awesome. Great to have you here. Hey, Ken, so whereabouts in the world are you today? Yes, I'm in New Jersey in the United States on the East Coast. I'm about 30 minutes outside of Manhattan, New York. Oh, fantastic. Somewhere I haven't been yet, and I've got friends there who keep saying, come on, come here, let's have some fun. And I'm looking forward to going there one day. Yes, absolutely, Dennis. You've got to make the trip. It is a remarkable city, and I'm sure that you'll have a lot of fun. I'm not sure if it's as beautiful as New Zealand, but it'll definitely be an experience. So we'll have to get you to New Zealand sometime. That'd be pretty cool, eh? Oh, that would be really cool. I would love that. Yeah. So we've given a little bit of a brief uh, background about or introduction to our listeners about you. I see that you you went to University of Chicago and you did an MBA there and a marketing and finance. And you've also been to State University of New York, married, two sons and two grandsons as well, huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to share about your background? Um, Yes, Dennis, I guess I'm everything healthcare, right? I've been in the healthcare industry 
for almost 32 years now. Why I chose the healthcare industry, it gave me the opportunity to pursue my professional goals, but while at the same time being able to do something for the world, being able to give back. And in the healthcare industry, we are in the unique position to not only help provide for our families, but also be able to help the lives of millions of people around the world. And so that's why I chose healthcare. I had the good fortune of working for some of the greatest companies in the world, companies that are now Sanofi, Aventis, Pfizer, Roche Labs, and most recently, Becton Dickinson, and now NASCO Healthcare. I feel very privileged that I had the chance to work at these organizations to build the leadership skills, mobilize teams, and ultimately have that impact around the world. So I'm really excited to be on this podcast. I do believe that the world is changing. It is a very fast-paced market, and I believe that leaders need to adapt and change as well. Yeah, I totally agree, Ken. And Ken, tell me, let's talk about a little bit about healthcare, as you said, and leaders, because are leaders really looking after themselves well enough? I mean, they, they're working long hours, they're under a lot of stress, pressure. As you said, the world's changing. So both from a social perspective, technology, business, it's just changing so fast. Are leaders really looking after themselves well? Probably not as well as they should, Dennis, right? You know, leaders are like an athlete to some degree. You know, they're, they're highly competitive willing to give everything in which they have to be successful and have a tireless appetite to succeed. And as a result, you probably work a little bit longer than you should. You probably miss some school events, whether it be dance recitals or sporting events. You probably don't get to take as many vacations with your family as you would like to. But at the same time, you're probably satisfying a lot of those professional goals and objectives that you have for yourself. And hopefully at the same time, being able to put your family in a position to be able to reach some of their goals and ambitions. Hmm. And, and for you in your career and your the different executive roles that you've had, how have you worked or in, in the work-life balance? How have you done that? Hey, hey it's, it's really, really difficult, Dennis. I, I believe that you've got to have a work ethic, which is second to none, to really have an impact around the world. You've got to have a commitment to practice the best habits, right? And you don't get to do those habits three days a week or five days a week. You've got to wake up every morning with the desire and ambition to make a a difference. And as a result of that, that appetite, that desire doesn't stop at 5 p.m. Therefore, it goes deep into the night and sometimes transitions into the weekends. But what I would say is that I've got an incredible support network, whether it be my wife, which is my absolute best friend. She enables me to be able to do the work in which I do and commit myself the way in which I do. As well, I've got a team that I work with that definitely has the capability and talent to be successful as long as I'm there to give them the resources and support to be able to achieve their objective. Tremendous. Thank you. There's some real strong insights there, uh, listeners, as we're listening to Ken as he's sharing his his experience there around how he does the work-life balance. And, you know, it is interesting because we all are under pressure and we we do find things. And people go, is, it, is there a difference between work and is there a difference between life? Well, it is your life, isn't it? And it's part of your life and it's, it's all part of it and it's a package. But it's really interesting. So, Ken, how did you get into leadership? 
You know, I assume that my mom and dad kind of prepared me to be a leader all of my life. They gave me enough independence and enough support to allow me to venture out, take risks, fail, learn from those failures. But at the same time, they were there to support me during those failures. And I think as a result of that, that helped to build the muscle, the leadership muscle in me. Second, my mom always told me, be a leader, don't be a follower. You set the path. You do what you think is best for you. And third, my grandmother always told me, listen, you can do anything you put your mind to as long as you're willing to put in the work. So therefore, I think that from from being a youngster, I started to develop some of those leadership skills. But in my professional career, I just had the great fortune of working for some great companies, some other great leaders that saw something great in me, and they were willing to invest, groom, coach, mentor, and guide. And as a result, I was able to elevate into different roles. Those roles, Dennis, are really what helped to shape me into the leader in which I am. It's those individual experiences, whether it was the first role I had as a sales consultant or being the worldwide president of the diabetes care business unit at Becton Dickinson. Each of those experiences helped to shape me into the leader in which I am today. Yeah, tremendous. And wonderful to see the foundation there from the family side, of course, and um, and then you building on that. And as you said, it's about having that support network around you, first of all, around the family, and then, of course, and through the corporate world and, and helping you. And they seeing something in you and helping you develop as well, which is really, really important. And I think the other thing I say to people too, Ken, I'd love to get your thoughts on this, is for a lot of people, they rely on the organization to develop them. And I'm like, don't rely on the organization. Do what you need to do to, to develop as a leader. How have you done that over the years? Yeah, absolutely. I think that you have have to have an insatiable appetite of curiosity, right? You've got to want to continuously learn and develop. So whether that be reading leadership books, taking a leadership course, observing and monitoring the behaviors and decision making of other leaders that you respect and value, asking questions uh, to, to gain understanding, not to be understood, all of those things, I think, help to um, shape me into the leader. I also wanted to go back really quickly, Dennis, to the, the work-life balance and why I'm able to do that. I mentioned my wife being my best friend, but she is equally as passionate as I am about my professional success as I am. And as a result, she is motivating to me. She's inspiring to me. She is my greatest sounding board when I'm facing challenges at work. And she gives me perspective and helps me make better decisions. Yeah, tremendous. And I, and I love it. That's a real special thing to have in your life in the sense that when I say thing, person to have in your life and, and, and also that ability to bounce off each other. And I really like what you say just as passionate as I am about it, right? And yeah, that's really good. So Ken, you've, you mentioned before about some leaders and, and I don't know whether it's one of these ones uh, that you're going to mention, as you mentioned before, but this person could be alive or from history. Who would be your favorite leader and why? 
Yeah, you know, that's a very tough question, Dennis, but I have had the chance to work for some amazing leaders, whether that be Fred Hassan, Carrie Cox, Ed Ludwood, Vince Berlinza, Mike Valentino. I've had the opportunity to work for them and learn from them. But I would have to say that my favorite leader, whom I never had a chance to meet, but I've read a lot about, is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And the reason why he's my favorite, Dennis, is because, in my opinion, he was authentic. He was a genuine leader. He was purpose-driven. He was inspirational and motivational to people around the world. And he was resilient, right? He wasn't willing to quit. And he was fighting for something that was bigger than just himself. And so as a result, I choose Martin Luther King Jr. as, as my favorite. But there are many. There are many. Yeah, and isn't it interesting how... His legacy continues, even though he's not here. And as you said, you haven't met him. But the thing is, it still continues. It's still there. And I think as leaders, that's what we need to do is we need to set up our legacy for the future and and do things. Yeah. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And and as, as I reflect upon Dr. Martin Luther King, his passion was fueled by his purpose, right? Mm. He wanted to make a difference in the world. And I think that that was um, food for him. Um, it fueled him. And I, I, I'm assuming that that helped him overcome some of the obstacles, resistance and challenge that he faced as he was making his fight. And it's really interesting to see those leaders who do have that strong purpose and you can see what they're doing. Even so now you see large corporates going, you know what, we need to make sure our leadership team understand their individual purposes, not just the organization, but as individuals. And when they do, oh, wow, they are very, very strong and impactful leaders. I've coined that in my organization as unlocking their potential. When, When a leader can find his personal purpose, right, now you can start to unlock your potential, whether that be coaching and mentoring other leaders whether that be um, driving results, developing strategy, but whatever that is, I think that that unlocks those leaders' potential. Oh, absolutely does. Oh, wow. Now, the show is called Leadership is Changing. And when I say that title of the show, Ken, what does that mean to you? Leadership is changing. The roles in which we play now as leaders is different from what it was a generation ago for my dad and for my mom. I believe that the hierarchies have been broken down. Organizations are far flatter than they were 30, 40 years ago. Um, As a result, leaders don't just get to command and control. They actually have to engage and commit. And so engage with the team around them partner, collaborate, help to uncover um, solutions in partnership with members of the team, as opposed to just making a decision and expecting folks just to to execute. Yep. Very good. And um, you know how you see it from leadership from yours, say your parents' side, time versus our time and so forth. Do you think it's also changed within the last two to five years? Absolutely. Technology. Technology is changing things significantly. Um, You know, when I started in the business world, I didn't have a laptop. I didn't have a cell phone. Um, I did have a beeper, but, you know, access 
to me and me having access to my leader was very limited. We, we didn't have many teleconferences. We would have some face-to-face -face meetings, but they were far and few in between. Over the last two to five years, with the social media platforms, with the advent of cell phones being in the pocket of every um, human being around the world, the bandwidth that is um, available to us today, you can basically work 24 hours a day, seven days a week if you choose to. Just like us right now, being able to facilitate this podcast from total opposite ends of the world, right? From New Zealand to New Jersey, we would never have been able to do that 40 years ago. No, we probably would have had to take the boat. And, um, <laughs> Correct. Yeah. And now we can do this. Not only are we able to communicate effectively and frequently, but now we can see each other. We can engage very differently than we did 30, 40 years ago. And as a result of that, people that work for you get to see you in all different types of settings. You are so much more accessible than you were 40 years ago. A, a CEO in a Fortune 100 company 40 years ago might have been seen by people in the manufacturing plant maybe one, two times out of their entire career. Today, it is my responsibility to be in the plants around the world on a monthly basis, right? Maybe not always physically, maybe many times virtually, but I am being challenged to engage all levels of the organization on a regular basis. Yeah, and I think people just want to know you and get to know you as the, the leader, the real site, the real person, the transparent. I mean, Ken, we're seeing it, it's getting louder and louder every year, especially the last two or three years, that we, they want people to be transparent, authentic, real. Tell us your opinion. We want to know your opinion. Yep. You have to be. You have to be. Dennis, I, I, I think that associates in this day and age can see through the vanilla. They can see through the phony, right? So you've got to be authentic, genuine. You've got to be compassionate. And to be compassionate, you've got to be able to listen. You've got to be able to hear the needs of the organization and ultimately respond to the, to the individual, not just the organization, right? Everyone has different needs. And as a leader, you need to understand those needs and hopefully come up with solutions to try and meet the needs each associate around the organization. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. And it, I think it's so cool that you can do that. There is no one size fits all anymore, right? You, you can't just institute a policy and believe that that policy will be put in place and stand the test of time, right? You've got to be willing to adapt. Yeah, Ken, it even goes down to things like, and I talk to some people about this, is, is about the strategy, right? When I go into organizations and I ask the leadership team, hey, what's the strategy of your organization? Can you tell me? And they look at each other going, huh? They, they don't know. And they can't tell me and they can't articulate it. And it's like, why? What's going on here? How come you can't do it? It's because they're not living it. They're not bringing it to life for themselves or for the organization. I totally agree, Dennis. I totally agree. Mm. Now, We've talked about the leadership side of things and, you know, you mentioned just before that it's a fast-paced technology and so forth. So it's a fast-paced, ever-changing world. With our listeners today, what would you say to them that makes a leader successful in this fast-paced, ever-changing world? I think being nimble, 
and being focused, right? Because the world is changing, markets are shifting, the dynamics around the world make it very challenging to stay the status quo. Therefore, I do think that you've got to be very nimble and flexible. I do believe that you need to engage a much larger cohort of the organization to be able to adjust and adapt, though. It can't just be you making a decision based upon your insight and the input from a few, I think that you need to be able to to gather the insight and perspectives and needs of a much broader organization. I need to know what's going on in Southeast Asia so that as we put um, strategies in place, it also addresses the opportunities and challenges in Southeast Asia, just like it does in Europe or here in the United States. Yeah, too right. Because I think there's, I mean, many times when I was at Hewlett Packard and traveling the world and we're doing things and for even EDS before that, an IT company, and we were delivering either strategy out, out into the organizations worldwide and the different geographies and go to markets. And then even if we were talking about even leadership programs or a new project, a new initiative, things would work in the US, but it wouldn't work in Asia. Or here's a great example, very simple. So I was in a pilot and they said, uh, okay, what we want you to do is to break up into triads. In other words, in groups of three, I'm like, team, we can't use that word in Asia. Why? Because that word means like mafia, trade, trade. Whoa, okay. So it's about them being sensitive to what else is and having an awareness of what's else needed in other different geographies and cultures and, and people's needs and that. So it's so strong that people need to understand that. And at times, I think leaders may be a little bit oblivious to it, a little bit not sure or aware of it. And that they need to wake up in that 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 sense. Absolutely. And and so just as an example, I have an extended leadership team, right? So all of the direct reports to members of my leadership team, the executive team. And once a month, we have an extended leadership team. It is a global meeting. So I have members from the Middle East, North Africa, from Asia Pac, from Latin America, from Canada, from the US, from Europe. We're all on the phone together. It's about 55 associates around the world and we continuously revisit our strategy and um, the programs and practices that we're putting in place to exploit the opportunities and overcome the challenges and and we are continuously collaborating ensuring that we don't make any decisions that ultimately negatively impact one area around the globe the second thing that i would say to that dennis is that Technology has made the world very small, right? And so what we're doing here in the U.S. is 100% visible to folks in Southeast Asia. You know what we're doing, what we're saying, and how we're doing it on a day-to-day basis. So there are no walls anymore. Everything, it's all one world, and we've got to find a way to be sensitive to the differences, as you mentioned, as well as cultivate strategies that meet the needs of each of those unique markets. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. That's good. And it's great to hear that, you know, what you just hear there before about having that collaboration with the different leaders around the globe and doing that on a regular basis. That's really important. Because, Ken, what I find is that a lot of people get up in front of the organization at the beginning of the year and go, da-da, here's our beautiful PowerPoint slides, here's the strategy, and they go out and they do it, and everyone goes, huh? 
Like, well, what does that mean? And then they, they have these big posters and they laminate it because it's really important. And then what they do is <laughs> what they do is they put it up in the kitchen area, hoping that people make tea and coffee and then they'll read it. And people don't. And it's about how do we bring it to life. But I love what you say, how you on a regular basis, you're looking at it, you're seeing what's going on and talking with the organization organization and getting their input as well. Because we're one person, right? You've got to be able to monitor and measure your performance on a regular basis and be willing to adjust. Just think back um, 18 months ago when the pandemic started. If we did not have this type, these types of operating mechanisms, these types of meetings, this type of collaboration and engagement, there is no way that we would have successfully navigated through the COVID-19 pandemic as well as we did here at NASCO Healthcare. Yes, we were impacted for a couple of months, like many other industries around the world, but we quickly rebounded and had a very successful 2020. And in 2021, in fact, we are having the best year in the company's history. And I believe that it was because of that collaboration, that continuous dialogue around what's going on in China versus what's going on in the UK and how the US is adapting and us continuously adjusting as we navigated through the pandemic. Yeah, brilliant. So, Ken, you and I have been talking about the leader's perspective and looking through their lens. If we had to flip this on its head and now look through the lens of an employee, because as a CEO, you're an employee as well in the sense that you have a board of directors reporting to and, and so forth, right? So let's let's talk about employees. How has employees' expectations of leaders changed? Overnight. It's day and night, um, Dennis. It's very different. I believe that 30, 40 years ago, employees felt that the company owed them salary, benefits, and hopefully a long-term job, right? Stability. Now, associates, one, they've got to be respected. They've got to be valued. They've got to be recognized. They've got to be listened to on a regular basis, right? They want to have a direct line into the CEO. There are many occasions when folks will either send me a, a, an instant message on LinkedIn that are in my organization, or either even send me an email or stop by my office just to talk about what's working, what's not working, and what's missing. I believe creating that environment affording associates of today the opportunity to come in and share their thoughts with us makes us a stronger organization. Ideas, ideas, strategies are not relegated to the C-suite. They come from all levels and areas of the organization. And therefore, this thing about respecting, valuing, recognizing, and appreciating associates encourages them to do that even more, right? And as a result, we get all of these diverse, great ideas. It strengthens our strategy. It allows us to have even a greater impact in the world. Yeah, so employees need to be respected, they want to be valued and so forth and be heard. Now, listeners, what Ken just said was was gold. And that sense is ideas come from all levels of the organization, every level. And it just doesn't come from the C-suite. It's everywhere. And a smart leader will be tapping into that. I think so, I, especially in today's day and age, right? And people, uh, all associates have access to 
a wealth of information, right? So they can uh, diagnose, synthesize information, come up with solutions that may be able to catapult the organization forward. I think you've got to be willing to listen to those ideas. Not every idea can be pursued for one reason or another, but you, you should absolutely acknowledge those ideas and thoughts. Absolutely. So they want to be heard. And it, wants, it needs to be acknowledged for sure. Absolutely. Ken, this has been wonderful. And if I was to get you to get your crystal ball out now and think, talk about the future here, where do you see leadership being in five years? I think the, what it is today, 2X, right? Um, I do believe that leadership roles in particular in the C-suite, I think that you'll see more leaders younger age, right? Again, I believe that technology has provided them with all of the information and an opportunity to be able to collaborate across different boundaries like they weren't before. The one thing that I think will be challenging for future leaders, though, is not having those experiences, right? As I mentioned earlier, over my 32-year career, I've had the opportunity to serve in almost every major role in the healthcare industry. And I believe that those experiences are what have prepared me to be successful in the role in which I'm in today. My concern for future leaders, because they get advanced so quickly, they end up skipping some steps, missing out on some experiences that would have prepared them better for some some of the challenges that we might face. I hope that we never ever see another global pandemic like the COVID-19 pandemic. But if you did not lead through that, then you don't have those experiences. You don't know how the decisions had to be made to be able to navigate the, the organization positively through that crisis. Oh, absolutely. And Ken, did you see, I mean, in this part of the world, we saw leaders who had got the title of a leader or a manager in that, but they didn't step up. We didn't see them show up when there was this pandemic going, especially when it was in full flight. But we saw others step up who didn't have those titles and were like, now they are the future leaders. They are the people. Exactly. And so I think that that's where I think the world is going in terms of leadership. I do encourage the next generation of leaders to build on some of the core competencies and capabilities of great leaders of the past, right? As we mentioned with Dr. Martin Luther King, listen, be genuine, be authentic, be purpose-driven, right? Be um, inspirational and motivational to the organization and drive for success, not just for yourself, but for others, right? Whether they be within your organization or in the communities in which you serve. Mm, Drive for success, wonderful. Excellent. Ken, thank you so much for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? Yes, I would recommend they hit my LinkedIn site, Ken Miller in LinkedIn, as well as you can visit our nascohealthcare.com website where you can leave me a message and reach out to me there as well. Yeah, excellent. So, Ken, what we'll do is we'll put your LinkedIn profile into the show notes as well. So, once again, Ken, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. 
Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Hey, look out for the episodes as they've been released. Download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family, your network. If there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show, or if there's an email question, sorry, that you want to share with me for me to ask on the Ask Dennis episode, send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.